FM Rewind, Bow eighty eight point one. I am joined in conversation by South African National Blood Service spokesperson Kensani Masangu. Good morning and welcome to that lunch. Oh my God, why am I already moving to lunch? Welcome to the area code. Good morning, Kensani. Good morning, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm just feeling a little bit like the weather and I hope you are not. I am not feeling like the weather, fortunately. However, I don't like the weather much. You don't like the weather much? Eish, those are my sorrows no. and my sadnesses. Hey, I apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> Kinsani, without wasting any further time, let's talk about what happens during the blood donation process. Please explain to me. So for someone who's going to come there and I'm donating blood, what can I expect? So, the launch of our new um, South uh, what do we call it? We call it the South Health History Test, or what we traditionally know as the, the donor questionnaire on digital now. So, what you can expect now whenever you walk into a donation center, you bring an ID on your first donation. If this will be the first since the 7th of November, bring your ID with you or license. You will then get printed details for, for with your donor number. And then you will complete the questionnaire online digitally. So there's no more paper and pens and standing in line uh, to fill in the questionnaire. Once you have done that, you go into the one-on-one medical assessment where they will check for your hemoglobin levels and your blood pressure. Thereafter, you go through to a donor bed where then you will donate the blood or the plasma, whatever you are donating on the day. But the steps are really simple and with the new system now, we've made it more efficient for donors to be able to come in and out quicker than they have before. Hmm. And what should I then do before and after donating blood? So before donating blood, you will need to make sure that you're well hydrated. You also want to make sure that you have a meal, a full meal, uh, at least four hours before your donation so that when you get tested for hemoglobin levels, you are good to donate. Because if there are chemo, you will have to eat it first. Um, I need people to remember that of the utmost importance to us is the, the health of both the donors and the recipients of the blood. So we want you as well as you were walking out as you did come in. So eat and hydrate. Also after donation, do not engage in any heavy exercise or any strenuous activity for that matter. Mm-mm, okay, I get that. You know, um, Kinsanine, a lot of people tend to take a whole lot of chances and I'm saying this because ish, I live with people, I study human behavior sometimes, and I am part of that human behavior some of the time, right? What is then going to happen if I decide, mm, I'm going to take a risk, I'm not going to eat, I'm not going to hydrate, I'm not going to do all the things that are required for me to do before I go save someone's life. And then I come just as I am, and I donate my blood. What happens? Yeah, well, the first thing that could possibly happen is that you're different because your hemoglobin levels are too low, so you would have wasted time coming into the donation center. But should you pass, then what could happen, um, even if you do have the refreshments that we provide, the juice and the biscuits, 
there is a chance of an adverse effect, and these are range across uh, different symptoms. But the most common is that we would experience uh, donors who are lightheaded or those who do faint and experience other symptoms with that, which is not what we want for you as a donor. So it's, it's best to follow the instructions, hydrate, make sure you get your food and replace your iron with food or supplements. And how long does it then take for, you know, the body to replenish the donated blood? This will take about 56 days. Uh, so eight weeks is, is the usual duration between which you can donate blood uh, if you are donating whole blood. But otherwise, donors can also give plasma platelets. The criteria for that is slightly different. Uh, and then they can do that Every two weeks. Yes, yes, Kinsani, <laughs> absolutely got you there. So, <laughs> what can I expect to feel after donating blood? Like the symptoms, you know, normally some other people will tell you maybe nausea, vomiting, a little bit of dizziness. But when it comes to blood, what kind of symptoms uh, can one expect? After donating blood? Yes. I think you, you name pretty much most of them, and those symptoms are usually. Uh, linked to not having eaten and mm, donating sneakily without, you know, being eligible to donate on the day. So most people will leave the donor center feeling completely fine. I think you do get a few minutes to rest after you've given your unit. If you need more juice and you're feeling lightheaded, you can stay at the donation site and you will be monitored. So whether this is a donation center fixed or a mobile blood drive, you will be monitored, you will be checked and asked if you're well before you leave so that we can take care of any symptoms while you're still in the donation center. So if this is the case, we encourage donors to please um, wait in the donation center with our medical personnel and they will assist you in that case. Mm. There's someone is sitting at home right now, Ken Sunny, and this is because of, you know, the myths and mis- uh, misconceptions that are being made about um, donating blood. What are some of these common myths and misconceptions about donating blood that you may know of? I think the misconception I want to focus on first is that we often hear people saying, someone else is giving blood, so I don't have to. And that is the reason why we currently sit with only 1% or less than 1% of the population, really, who are regular donors. This puts a lot of strain on that 1% to continue to provide blood for the entire country consistently. So this would then explain why we're going to be dips every now and then, because really we're leaving the responsibility to someone else, but it's really incumbent on all of us to step up and donate blood, provided that you are eligible and you feel healthy enough to do so. But we also have encountered uh, the weirdest responses to why people don't donate blood. Some people would say, I don't have enough blood, which is uh, a bit weird. Or they would um, then say cultural and ancestral beliefs uh, prevent them from doing that, which is respectable. However, it does not stop one from donating blood. So uh, there are a lot of these misconceptions. And if you follow us on our social media pages, I think you'll get to see all of these new and interesting ones that come up often. Mm. Now, there are many of us that, 
you know, want to donate blood. But because of a blood type, I don't know if there are certain blood types that can donate and there are certain blood types that cannot donate. Does such a thing exist? It does not. So everyone with blood in their veins is eligible to donate if you are satisfying the criteria for blood donation once again. So we need all blood groups, but the most essential blood group that we need is all the all blood group. They can donate to the biggest, to really the rest of the other blood groups. So O negative is a universal donor. And if you are O negative, then you are very negative that you're very special because you are a universal donor Mm. so we need O negative and O positive donors really to go to donation sites and get blood because their blood has the capacity to help the most people Kinsani, I, I really, really, really want to donate blood, but my fear for needles is so intense that I feel like I'll just die as soon as, you know, it's being inserted just to draw blood. <laughs> so how are you guys then able to assist me overcome this fear? You know what? This is one of the most common fears. And we've even had donors who still say they're fearful of needles but still do come through to donate blood. So what I want to do with you is uh, an exercise quickly. So if you can roll up your sleeve, um, with your right hand, then you take your index finger and your thumb and you pinch just the inside of your arm. Uh, have you done that? Oh no, I haven't ever. Anyone can do that. So I would like for everyone who's listening really to try that quickly. And that'll give you an indication of how painful or not it is when the needle is inserted in your arm. I mean, we have the best trained health staff drawing blood. So they are very well versed in comforting donors who are feeling scared, first time donors. They'll answer all your questions. Really, we make this process as comfortable for you as possible. So even if you fear the needle, trust us, we will leave you feeling satisfied with your donation when you leave our donation site. Hmm. Okay, that makes me feel a little bit better, so I think I will be considering to come and donate my blood. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about what happens to the blood after it is donated. Like, where are you going to take it? Because, you know, like you're saying, it's blood. It's such a scary, sensitive issue. There are many myths and misconceptions around it that we've spoken about. So to ease my mind a little bit, where does my blood go? You know, you make a very good point um, in that I think the whole issue of blood is really something that is scary for people to face because when we think blood, we panic. Mm. Um, but really, life, blood is life-giving and life-saving. So after you donate to your units, you will see that it will be placed on a scale that constantly moves the blood uh, left and right. That's because we need it to stay moving so that the platelets, which can be drawn from the blood. One of the components is platelets. There's also plasma, as well as red blood cells. They always need to be moving outside of the body in order that they may stay alive. So we take it, we process it with all the labels, put it in cold storage, and we take it straight to the lab where it will then be tested and separated into the three components, as I mentioned, platelets, plasma, 
or red blood cells. Other times, the whole blood will be used to transfuse into patients. So this will be dependent on what the need is. So once it's fully tested and we're, we've ensured that the blood is safe to transfuse to the patient, we will then market and package it and send it through to blood banks who then dispense the blood when there is a need in hospitals. Mm. Now, we've spoken about, you know, the safeties and the comfortability of donating the blood. Can we talk about the risks now? Are there any? There are risks. So, we do have an extensive list of people who are excluded from donating blood. And this is important particularly because um, it could be life-threatening. For instance, for a person with anemia, if you do donate blood... Mm. Uh, this could be life-threatening. So we do have certain people excluded from donating blood because it poses a threat or a risk to you physically. So so is it only... Okay, please keep going. Sorry. No, pardon me. You can ask the question. Sorry. No, I just wanted to say, so is it only people with anemic who, who don't get to, like, donate blood? No, so anemia was just an example that I was using. So people who have hepatitis, Mm -hmm. uh, people who have HIV or AIDS, and there is another exhaustive list of people who cannot donate. So if they are on chronic medication, some people cannot donate. Um, There's a whole plethora of reasons why individuals can't donate. And that information is available on our website. But I encourage you really, if you have a specific concern relating to your health, um, you need to speak to your physician first uh, to find out if you are eligible to donate blood because that is the person treating you and they will know your medical history. Alternatively, you can call out one of our contact centers, um, 0800. Double one nine zero three one, where you can talk to a consultant who will really answer all your questions related to blood donation. And if you walk past a donation site, remote or fixed, you can also stop by there and have a conversation with a donor educator or one of our nurses there who will answer all your questions that you need to know about eligibility to donate blood. But otherwise, Individuals need to be a minimum of 50 kilograms. They need to lead a healthy lifestyle, consider their blood safe to transfuse to a patient. Mm. Also, these are the basic criteria. Now, Kinsani, one last question before I let you go, right? I just want to find out about the steps that are taken to ensure the safety of blood donors. The steps that are taken, as as mentioned, is, is everything that goes on in the donation site, really. So, first of all, when you answer that medical questionnaire, there you'll find different questions there. Some say, have you recently had surgery or are you planning to have surgery? So, these are the, the this is the first rather of the, the precautions we have in place. So if you answer yes or no, depending on what the question is, you may be deferred from donating blood. So that's the first step that we take. And this you will reveal to the nurse at your one-on-one session. They'll re-ask some of the questions and confirm your answers. So that's the second one. And 
while you're with this nurse doing your interview, you will have your blood pressure as well as your hemoglobin levels tested. If these are not satisfactory to allow you to donate, then you will not donate. That is step number two. Mm. Number three, when you're on the donation bed, we are constantly checking on the donors. We are constantly asking questions. Are you feeling well? If you are not off the, the particular nurse um, responsible for your donation to please, uh, you can call them over and say, I'm feeling like this or that, and they will immediately take precautions. So the entire process, it has safeguards into it that ensure that our donors are safe at all times. And if your iron levels are sort of borderline and you can donate, um, we will then, we do rather have a process in place where we have iron supplements just to replace the iron that you've lost within that donation. Your blood may also be tested for ferritin just to check that your iron stores in your blood are are adequate to enable you to become a regular donor. So yes, that is what we're doing for our donors. We're continuing with the wellness program. We're speaking, educating on the platform. All the measures are in place to make sure donors are Okay. Healthy and thanks. Can I please have you on the line, right? I've got one more question to ask you. We're going to take the news headlines right now. Well, the news headlines, Bagubung mine workers demand a salary increase and tertiary education funding will be cut by about 13.7 billion rand. More Vs at 12 o'clock. Conversating all things donating blood, we are still with Kensani on the line. Kensani, are you still there? Yes, I am. So, Kinsani, um, this is the last question I wanted to ask you, right? So, Kanyisile <laughs> Yende, our news anchor, wants to know where does she go to donate blood and how can she get a hold of you? So, Kanyisile, it depends on where you stay. So, you could work far from home, you know, or frequent certain malls. I think the best way to track donation sites is either through our Facebook page where we'll regularly post on the remote blood collections. That would be in malls and community centers, churches, businesses close to you, the like. Or you can call our contact center. We have a full list of all the blood drives planned for December now. So when you call, you'll mention that you will be in Area A on these particular days. And then the contact sector agent will find you a specific location or options within your area. So you call 0800-119-031. And there you'll give them all these specific details. And they are also able to check if you are due for donation, if you currently are a donor or not. You will be led to the place that is most convenient for you and closest to you for you to donate. Thank you so much, Ken Sunny. Um, thank you so much for sharing, uh, you know, this insight with us. Uh, I will definitely be donating my blood as well. I think my fear is a little bit down. <laughs> I hope so. I hope you will be comforted by the nurses as well. And I, I just want to make one last plea that can we keep bands together really to enable some people to be able to spend Christmas at home with their families and if they need blood can we be the ones who donate blood because unfortunately there is no substitute that is manufacturable or available in nature that can substitute people's blood.
Mm, absolutely. Thank you so much, Ken Sunny. Have yourself a good day, yeah? Thank you. Have a lovely afternoon. Cheers, bye. Conversating all things donating blood, that was Kensani Mashangu. You know, I mean, the South African National Blood Service has reported that blood stocks levels are low. There is a critical shortage of blood around the country. Demand for blood has increased in hospitals and many regular donors are not available to donate. It is said that a single blood donation can save three lives. So please be a part of changing those lives. Area code. FM Rewind, Baal 88.1.